0: Morning, friends. Good to see you today. Let me invite you to open your copy, open a copy of God's Word to John chapter 1. We'll be spending the next four weeks in John's Gospel uh, for our Advent series. And we'll return to uh, the Gospel of Mark in the new year. But for the next four weeks, we'll be uh, in John chapter 1. Uh, Our passage today is simply the first three verses. So let me read these to us before we continue. Hear the word of God. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. God's inerrant word, let's ask for his help as we uh, look into these uh, precious verses this morning. Lord, we're uh, gazing into the infinite Infinite in these three verses. I ask that you'd strengthen our minds and hearts to to catch a glimpse of uh, what they mean and through these verses to catch a glimpse of. Of who our Savior is, help us to understand these. Help me to preach these and explain it clearly. And Father, I pray that you would uh, be with us now in the time of head, uh, The time ahead, I ask this in Jesus' name, Amen. Queen Victoria was a former monarch of Great Britain, and uh, one of her residences was Balmoral Castle. And when staying at Balmoral, she sometimes enjoyed walking through the surrounding district in disguise. Story uh, goes that uh, on one such walk, she came upon a flock of sheep uh, driven by a boy. Uh, Apparently, Queen Victoria had gotten in the way of this boy driving her flock, and he shouted at her, stupid old woman. The queen smiled, but said nothing. And remember, in this time, the sun never set on the British Empire. Well, following at a respectful distance behind her was her faithful servant, John Brown. And coming to the boy, he informed the lad that the stupid old woman he had shouted at was really the Queen of England. Well, snapped the boy. She should dress like a queen. When you and I read the accounts of Christ's birth at Christmas time, this is how we find Jesus. We find him incognito. We find him in disguise. Uh, He's not arrayed in royal splendor. Uh, He's not dressed like the true king that he is. Uh, We find him... Uh, in disguise, clothed with our humanity. And this is why one hymn writer asks the question, Who is he in yonder stall, at whose feet the shepherds fall? This is why I've turned to the Gospel of John this Advent season. Uh, John's Gospel reveals who the child in the manger really is. John helps us see past the disguise to show us the child's true identity. John peers through the disguise of Jesus' humanity to reveal Jesus in all of his majestic glory. That's truly what we're after, is to see his glory. These first 18 verses of John Chapter 1 are commonly referred to as the prologue of John's gospel. Uh, he gives us in these first 18 verses four pictures or four portraits of Jesus' identity. In the first three verses that I've just read to you, we see his first picture where we discover that Jesus is the eternal word. Uh, that baby lying in the manger was the eternal word of God. In this first portrait, I want to mention three characteristics of the word to you. Uh, the first characteristic of the word is that he was, of course, eternal. Uh, he was already existing at the beginning of creation. Uh, and verse 1 begins, In the beginning of was the word. Uh, Let me point out three things to you in this phrase. Uh, First of all, who was the word that John referred to? I know that most of you already know the answer to this question, but those reading John's account for the first time might not have understood who he was talking about, because this uh, word, the word, word, Uh, was common in Greek culture and had been used for quite a long time before John used it here. In the verses that follow, uh, John sprinkles uh, clues along the way. He says uh, that there was a man sent from God whose name was John, and he came as a witness to bear witness about the light or the word. And he continues uh, sprinkling clues, referring to the word in different ways, and doesn't name him by name until we get to verse 17, which says, For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. But why does John call him the word? Uh, a term you're probably familiar with. Well, as I mentioned, uh this was a common word in the Greek language. It's the the word logos. And long before John ever applied this term to Christ, it had been used by Greeks to describe thought or reason. John is using it, however, in a different sense. John is using it to indicate that Jesus Christ was the ultimate expression of God. Uh, Jesus was the one who revealed what God was like. How do you and I express ourselves? We express it through what we say. We express it through our words. And in a similar way, God the Father expresses who He is through the Word. Consider um, these cross-references. Let me mention some of them uh, to you. If you would glance all the way down to verse 18, I don't have them on slides today. I'm, I apologize for that. Verse 18, no one has ever seen God. The only God who is at the Father's side, he has made him known. We would have not known what God was like without Jesus Christ. Literally, Made him known means he has exegeted him. Exegesis is drawing out the truth of a Bible passage and explaining it. It's what I'm trying to do right now. And John tells us that this is what Christ has done with God the Father. He has drawn out and explained the essential nature of God to us. There's another passage that describes this same truth, and it's found in the book of Hebrews. Let me read you uh, two or three verses from Hebrews uh, chapter 1. Familiar verses to many of us. Listen to this. Uh, Long ago at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days... He has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom he also created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. One theologian says, uh, translates this, this, he is the exact duplicate of his nature. Uh, The word uh, uh, imprint is uh, the Greek word character. It referred to an impression left by an engraving tool or the impression on a coin. And so you and I would say that a U.S. quarter is the exact imprint of George Washington. But the difference here is that Christ doesn't give the exact imprint of God's physical resemblance. After all, no one has seen him at any time. He is the exact imprint of God's nature. Uh, Jesus made visible the invisible attributes of God. There's another cross-reference that we just read a moment ago in our scripture reading, and that's Colossians 1.15, where we read, He is the image of the invisible God. And that's the word from what we get the English word icon. Uh, an icon we think of as a statue, something that represents something else, an object formed to resemble someone. Uh, Colossians says that Christ is uh, the image of God, represents what God is like. So these three, if you add them together, Colossians 1, uh, John 1.18, Hebrews 1, 1 through 1-3, we get to this point in John's Gospel in chapter 14 where Jesus says these remarkable words to Philip. Philip who had wanted to see God the Father asked the Lord in John 148 Lord show us the Father and it is enough for us look Lord we're not asking for anything big just show us the father is that all um, Jesus said to him have I been with you so long and you still do not know me Philip Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. Jesus is such an exact representation of the Father that Christ could utter these words, Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. And so when John calls him the Word, John is expressing that Jesus is the perfect expression of God. That's what he means by the word. One pastor said it like this, if you want to see the glory of God in his holiness in compassion and might, and especially in his love, you will find it only in the face of Jesus Christ. So, first, uh, the first thing we find about the identity uh, of, uh, of the word is what this word, word, means. It means he's the ultimate expression of God. Well, back in John 1, the second thing I want you to notice is the very first phrase of verse 1, uh, simply in the beginning. What beginning was John referring to when he wrote this? John is repeating Genesis 1.1 here. Uh, Genesis 1.1, which you remember, says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. John is referring to that beginning. Uh, John takes us all the way back to the ultimate beginning. This is unlike uh, Matthew and Luke in their accounts, who begin their accounts with the conception and birth of Christ in Bethlehem. But John takes us back even farther than they do. And what does John tell us about the beginning? What was going on in the beginning? Well, look at this, really the only word in this phrase we haven't talked about yet, and that is the preexistence of the word. Uh, verse 1 says, in the beginning was the word. Look, this is significant. This is so important. Uh, I want you to see this. And look, I'm going to take you back to your English class for just a second. I won't stay there long, I promise. Uh, the term was is the Greek verb to be. I am, you are, he is. Um And this Greek verb is in the imperfect tense. It describes continuous action in the past. Continuous action in the past. What were you doing yesterday? I was watching TV. That's continuous action in the past. What were you doing yesterday? I was doing the laundry. Again, continuous action in the past. What were you doing last night? I was crying after the Georgia game got over. (laughs) Let's make the transition though. What was the Word doing in the beginning? He was existing. What was the Word doing in the beginning? He was existing. Continuous action in the past. Or to put it in a slightly different way, in the beginning, the Word was already existing. John is telling us that at the dawn of creation, the Word was already there. John is telling us at the beginning of the universe, the Word didn't come into being. The Word was already existing. Jesus, the eternal Word, did not have a beginning. He didn't become. He wasn't made. The Word continually was. This is uh, a non negotiable part of the Christian faith, the pre existence of Christ. And this is what John is describing. In the beginning was the Word. He didn't come to be. He wasn't the first thing created. He was already in existence at the beginning. Later in the Gospel of John, Jesus describes this in chapter 17. And praying to the Father, he says, I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. Christ is asking the Father to take him back into his presence where he would experience the same glory he shared with the Father before creation. It reveals that Jesus was already in existence before creation even began. Unlike others who believe Jesus had a beginning, he was the first of God's creation, we say, no, no, Jesus has always existed. He is the eternal Word, the eternal Son of God. And one scholar says, without apology or qualification, John goes back in time beyond Bethlehem where Jesus was born, Bethlehem, that is, and Nazareth, where he was conceived, indeed back beyond the beginning of time itself, and allows us a glimpse of a glorious person who has an eternal existence. So the first characteristic of the word John describes in this portrait is that the word was eternal. Jesus Christ is the eternal word. This brings us to a second characteristic in our portrait. Not only was he the eternal word, secondly, the second characteristic of the word that he describes is that he was the divine word. Jesus Christ was the divine word. Please understand I'm not using the word divine in any way remotely similar to the way you and I use the word divine. Uh, I describe cheesecake with the word divine. I've never met a cheesecake I didn't like. Some of them have been divine. The one at Proveno's is especially good. Uh, Proveno's is open for lunch on Sunday, I believe. So, but we often use the word divine. You have a great evening. Oh, it was simply divine. You hear British people say it on TV. That's not at all what I mean. It means that Jesus was God. Uh, That's the sense that we're using it. That other uh, definition in Webster's Dictionary, that it refers to God. And here we'll see Jesus was distinct from God, but equal to him. So let me mention two things about the divine word. First, it says that he was with God. As verse 1 goes on, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God. Uh, There's a preposition with. uh, It is the Greek word pros. It's used on a regular basis to express that one person is in the presence of another. Uh, That one person was face to face with another. Uh, It expresses personal relationship between two people. Uh, One Bible scholar writes, the word not only existed in the beginning, as we've already seen, but he existed in the closest possible connection with the Father. Another says, the word was with God in a special relationship of eternal fellowship in the Trinity. This is a, a tiny little Greek word, four letters long, pros is so significant. By using this preposition, John is pointing out that Jesus, the eternal word, was distinct from God the Father. That the eternal word was a separate person who interacted with the Father and had fellowship with the Father. Um, We hear an example of this relationship in Genesis chapter one, let me remind you of these words. You've most of you have surely heard them before. On the sixth day of creation, after God created the living creatures, uh, Genesis 126 says, Then God said, Let us Okay, what does that mean? Let us means that there's more than one person in the Godhead. And this is where we get our idea of the Trinity. One of the places where we get our idea of the Trinity. Let us make man in our image after our likeness. It goes on to say, and God created. Uh, This is uh, what we see here in verse 1, that the word is distinct from God the Father. Uh, This is an example of their conversation. We're eavesdropping here in Genesis 1 on a conversation that took place between the Father and the Son. So the Word was with God, was in a relationship with the Father, a relationship of eternal fellowship. And the Word is a distinct person from the Father. But not only was the Word with God, it goes on to say the Word was God. Look at this again. And the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. Uh, this is, it's not just that Jesus was divine in the human sense. It's not just that he was supremely great. It's not just that Jesus was a God-like man. It's that Jesus was God. Uh, The grammar John uses in this phrase stresses the quality and the nature or the characteristics of someone. And in this phrase, John was saying that Jesus, the Word, had the same nature as God. All that could be said about the Father could also be said about God the Son. The word was God meant that Jesus the word was equal in substance and being with the Father. There are many passages in the New Testament that uh, declare this same truth, that Jesus was God. In particular, in the book of John, there are several, There are seven places in John's gospel where Jesus makes I am statements. Uh, Remember, this is how God referred to himself in the Old Testament. Uh, In Exodus 3 at the burning bush, the Lord told Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. Listen to what Jesus says in John 8. Uh, In John 8.58, he said, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. Uh, When Jesus is walking on the water towards uh, the disciples who are in distress, fear not, it is I who they, that's how they translate it in the ESV. And what it says is, fear not, I am. Well, Pastor Rob, is that what Jesus meant when he said these things? Was he really identifying himself as the great I am of the Old Testament? Was he making himself equal with God? Really? Are you sure? I'm sure. And I'm sure because of what the eyewitnesses uh, did when Jesus said that. Uh, this is how the leaders of the Jews understood Jesus' words, because the very next verse after he says, "Before Abraham was, I am," it says, "So they picked up stones to throw at him." But Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. They were they were going to kill him right there, uh, stone him to death, because he had made himself equal with God. There's another occasion where something similar happens. Jesus says this to the Jewish leaders. Uh, This is John 10, verse 30. I and the Father are one. The Jews picked up stones again to stone him. Jesus answered them, I've shown you many good works from the Father, for which of them are you going to stone me? The Jews answered him, It is not for a good work that we are going to stone you, but for blasphemy, because you being a man... Make yourself God. And this is what we see throughout the the New Testament. Um, In the upper room, where Jesus shows uh, Thomas, uh, his hands and his side, and he replies, my Lord and my God. Uh, He's addressed as God, and he accepts that worship. Jesus is also shares some of the same titles that God the Father has. It's not just, just that Jesus was with God in the beginning. Jesus was God. Uh, he was God equal in substance and being. Well, this brings us to a third uh, John describes the Word as the eternal Word. He describes it as the divine Word. And then the third characteristic that John describes is that he is also the creating Word. The creating Word. All things had their origin through Christ, and nothing was created apart from him. So, just an underlying assumption uh we're chunking out the window any notion of macro evolution here, okay uh, this is clearly about creation that uh, the world the universe as you and I know it know it was created by uh, an intelligent being uh, and we go further though uh. Let me mention two two words in this uh, verse three to draw your attention to. Let me point out two things. The first I want you to take note of is the phrase "all things." So look at verse three in your Bible. All things were made through Him. Uh, all things includes the entire universe. Other than God, everything else in the universe was brought into existence. Christ did not have a beginning. The universe did. Other than God, everything had a beginning. Other than God, everything else was created and not eternal. Not only that, John states further that all things were made through Christ Jesus was the agent of creation God the Father carried out his plan of creation through his son 1st Corinthians 8 6 reveals this to us yet for us there is one God uh, the Father from whom are all things and for whom we exist and one Lord Jesus Christ Through whom are all things, and through whom we exist. Again, this is from Colossians that we read earlier. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things and in him all things hold together. And then in Hebrews 1.2 that I already read to you earlier. But in these last days he has spoken to us by his son. Whom he appointed the heir of all things. Through whom also he created the world. Let me remind you again of that conversation in Genesis chapter 1. Here's the full script now. Then God said, let us... So what we're hearing is is the plan of the Father in creation. Let us make man in our own image. And then secondly, we hear the Son executing that plan. So God created man in his own image. We hear the Father initiating creation, and we hear the Son carrying out. First, we discover that Christ is the agent of creation uh, through whom God created All things. All things were created through him and for him. And then the next thing I want you to see first, we've looked at all things, and now I want you to see nothing. I don't mean I want you to see nothing, I want you to see nothing as it's spoken of in the text. Uh, This is the flip side of the first half of verse 3. The first half tells us that uh, all things were created through Christ. And the second half tells us nothing was created without Him. Look at verse 3 in the second half. And without Him was not anything made that was made. Nothing was made apart from Christ. And so this infers and leads us to the conclusion that Jesus Christ himself could not have been created. Christ is not a created being. How do we know that? Because Christ created all things. And the flip side, nothing was created apart from Christ, including himself. So, third, John tells us, Uh, about the word that is not only the eternal word, not only the divine word, he is third, the creating word. So, what's the real identity of the baby in disguise? That baby clothed with our humanity. Well, John tells us He takes us all the way back behind the scenes, way back behind the scenes, and tells us that Jesus, that baby, is the eternal word. And this baby lying in the manger in disguise is eternal. He is also the divine word. And third, he is the creating word as well. So the question we read earlier was asked by the hymn writer, Who is he in yonder stall, at whose feet the shepherds fall? He answers his own question with these words, Tis the Lord, O wondrous story, Tis the Lord, the King of glory, At his feet we humbly fall, crown him, crown him Lord of all. So when you put up that manger scene at home, if you do such a thing, remember first to put the wise men in the kitchen. Okay? They were not there. But when you put baby Jesus out in the manger scene, look at your kids with a knowing wink, knowing that you know who that really is. We know who this really is, don't we? It's the eternal word. He is the eternal word. He is the divine word. He's the creative the creating word. And what a disguise he wears. Jesus, we pray as we always do this time of year, our hearts can grow tired of the Christmas story. Our hearts can grow familiar with the Christmas story and and the wise men and the shepherds. And I pray that this look into John would stir us, renew us, renew our love for you, Christ Jesus, to think of of your true identity revealed by, by John just in these three verses alone that you have existed from eternity past that you have created everything in this universe. You're the agent of creation. And that you are the equal of God the Father. Christ, it's it's, uh, something we cannot completely take in. Give us understanding and eyes to see your true identity, Jesus. We ask in your name. Amen.